Bookslap is a joint production by Short Lane Studios and Oddly Shaped Arts. This podcast was recorded in front of a live studio audience, except the studio is a cafe, and the audience is just the cafe's customers, who had no idea we were recording a podcast. Don't forget the swears ahead, so if you don't like the swears, please can you funk off. So, shall we begin? Right. Yes, yeah, so press record. Oh. We've, already, we've already started. Cam, cam and technology. Cam and talk through his earphones. <laughs> <laughs> cam and technology. That could be a new a new channel for show. Like uh, subtitled me. as thick as pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I could be like uh, Richard Iodi. The Gadget Man. Did you watch Gadget Man? Is that a ball guy? No, the the one with um, a big afro. He was in the It Crowd. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. you meant the Gadget Show from Channel 5. No, no. That was a good show. Yeah. Is that still on? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't think I've seen it for a while. Is Click still on, isn't it? Do you watch Click? I haven't watched that for years. And yeah, mm. it's still on. It's still got some good things on it. Mm. That's pretty decent. So, welcome to Big Slap. We have been going at this for 25 minutes already, haven't we? Mm. And we've been waffling. <laughs> so we're going to have that as a special episode. If I can be bothered to edit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you you will. You will. We'll see. You will? <laughs> you bloody will? You bloody lazy buggy. See what I mean about hard work? See, they, they don't understand that now. People that haven't listened to, to that special. So I've, got, I've got to keep it in now. <laughs> you lazy swine. <laughs> but t- today's book we've got. Now, I haven't read all of this. I'm halfway through, as you can see, by my... Uh, uh, bookmark, the well, little I paper can clip. See. Nobody else can see it. Tommy can see. I can't. Nobody else can see. But He's on page nine. No, I'm not. I'm on page 121. This is actually the third time I've read this book, though. Oh. So I do. But I've I've been going through and highlighting stuff. That, that, that really kind of bothers me. About this. Why does it? You're drawing in books. No, no. It's this is it's a, a legitimate, legitimate form of study uh, writing in books is I used to think the same thing but then working working at a university working in the library you see it it's it's on everything and then when you look into it and for, you know try and figure out whether it's acceptable or not actually it is it's called marginalia I That's think it's called cool. graffiti. No, it's not graffiti. This is it's... what we have notebooks for, so you can read books and then write the sentence no, out you want. No, no. This, I think, I think marginalia makes makes a book more yours. It personalises the book. It shows that you've read and taken it in and understood it and, and taken things from it. OK, if it's your own book, fine, but a library book... 
No, it's still still just as legitimate. It's still just as legitimate, and there's, there is there is actually a legitimate study area of study where people just take old library books and look at the marginalia and piece together like the you know what what people have been looking for in the books because they have nothing better to do well no it's not it's it would be sort of like um it, it's no different than like archaeology yeah it is kind of like an archaeology it is it's like indiana jones but with with glasses and highlighters yeah and highlighters yeah little pink highlighters but if I did do that, it would yeah. annoy me so much if I went through half a book with a yellow highlighter no. and then I, I, I got to the other half and I realised somebody's been using a yellow highlighter and highlighted stuff I don't need. Because then I'd be confused in a few weeks thinking, yeah, which ones did but I highlight? There is, there is that, there is that. Like, it is basically like first come, first save. <laughs> it's like, if, if, you're, if you're late, that's it. You've, mm. you've lost the chance, mate. You've lost the chance. But... Um, yeah, so this this book is Ocean of Sound by David Toop, and it's a music book. It's supposed to be. He's a, come up with that name himself, hasn't he? What? Toop. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Ridiculous name. <laughs> you think it's a ridiculous name? Yeah. I don't think it is. Toop. David Toop. David Toop. Toop. Not <laughs> <laughs> me. I'll I let you get on now. <laughs> I think it's an all right name. But basically, it's supposed to be about ambient music, yeah. but it's not really. When you go through it, it's actually about all music. Yeah. And sort of like this, this guy's speciality is more about ambient music. Uh, but yeah, so shall we, shall we dive into some of my marginalia, mate? Yeah. Right. You're a graffiti artist. Uh, I am a graffiti artist. So from the prologue, We've got the sound object represented most dramatically by the romantic sympathy symphonies of the 19th century has been fractured and remade into a shifting open lattice on which new ideas can hang or through, the, or through which they can pass and interweave. This is one metaphor, landscape is another, a conjured place through which the music moves and in which the listener can wander. That's quite a nice metaphor for music, isn't it? Right. Have you have you ever seen music as a, as being like a landscape? I think? Uh, not a landscape, no. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it has either. To me, like um, music is more about patterns. Mm. Like I like when I was younger. I used to sort of like imagine music being kind of like, uh, you know, like when you had like Windows 95 and you played music on, was it Winamp? Windows Media Player, the old Windows Media Player. Yeah. And you got like the sort of like the patterns, the oh, geometric. Yeah. They still got them. Have they still got them? Yeah, have they? I always used to imagine music like that when I was when I was little. Yeah. Not so much now because since since I learned how to play an instrument, I see um, I see like musical sounds, the patterns being almost like chord shapes mm. and sort of like riff patterns and maybe like tabs. 
that's how I see like coloured sort of like versions. That's like coloured patterns. Yeah. I see music as so. David Toop. No, you're wrong about the landscape. But it's a nice metaphor. It is a nice metaphor, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, when you th- when you when you apply that to something like um, like if you walk into a shop and they play music, mm. that does sort of like it, it becomes uh, a part of the landscape of the shop, doesn't it? I suppose. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. That's a lovely metaphor, David Toop. I'm sorry I said you were wrong. You were kind of wrong. Without name. From yeah. uh, from our perspective. <laughs> it, it made me think of uh, Bambi, because does Bambi. Bambi have music that interprets stuff in the forest? Like the forest becomes part of the music. Like does it? Forest sounds. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I suppose it does, doesn't it? That's a very sort of like. That's early Disney, isn't it? Yeah. That's like Fantasia. Yeah. Like uh, in Fantasia, when the the waves, mm. when he's doing the magic spells, Mickey Mouse is doing the magic spells, mm. and the waves, and you've got the cymbals crashing and the the orchestra going off. Yeah. That's quite a musical way of of representing like a visual on screen landscape, isn't it? Yeah. That's really yeah. That's a really good early Disney. Yeah. Mm. Early and they come a long way yeah. from doing that. But I like those early Disney films. I do. I, I, yeah. I watched Fantasia when I was in primary school. It's good, yeah. isn't it? It's really good. It's yeah. one of my favourite films from when I was a kid. Mm. I think it, thought it was a really magical, magical film. Yeah, so um, next little bit we've got. Much of the music I discuss could be characterised as drifting or simply existing in stasis rather than developing in any dramatic fashion. He's talking about ambient music here. Structure emerges slowly, minimally, or apparently not at all, encouraging states of reverie and receptivity in the listener that suggest a very positive rootlessness. So I think that's kind of like... um, Brian Eno's music is very much that way, I find. I'm a big fan of Brian Eno. And I, I've always felt that way about his his music. More than anything. You probably have, mm. um, but probably not by name, because his, his music, his ambient music, has been used a lot in TV, particularly. So he is he is quite uh, quite famous. But what what do you, like what do you need to be engaged by music when you listen to it? Uh, not really. It it does make me think of a piece that I did at university, a composition I I wrote called Storm. Yeah. And it was about a thunderstorm at, at sea. Mm. And I used loads of sound effects. I didn't have any structure to it. Yeah. So when it came to actually writing out the notation for it, yeah, I kind of got stuck on that. I, there was no notation. Yeah. So I ended up representing each sound effect. Mm. as a different colour. Uh, yeah. And it was just a colour for the, the length of bars that it was. Yeah. And I had a key at the top which gave what colour is what sound effect. Okay, yeah. 
That's got, pretty cool. I thought it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. I got marked down for it. Oh, you didn't. Yeah, they said, no one can follow this. I was like, we tried reading it. <laughs> yeah, did you, because you put a key in. Yeah. Yeah, they should have been able to follow it. Yeah, I made it pretty simple. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, that was my first proper kind of ambient piece I wrote. Yeah. It was the only one out of the six I did. Yeah. And yeah, it got the lowest marks. Oh. Just because of the tab, the, the notation. That's a shame, that is. That's a bit snobby, that yeah. is. I, th I think if, I, if I'd have seen that, uh, I, I would I would have been really impressed by that and I would have... University's a snobby place, though. Yeah, you, they can be. They can be quite a especially snobby place. Especially the librarians. Yeah, especially them <laughs> bloody librarians. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's find another little passage, shall we? So this is about future music. This is music in the future will almost certainly hybridise hybrids to such an extent that the idea of a traceable source will become an anachronism. An, an anachronism. What, what was that mean? Um, I don't I don't know actually. Right. <laughs> See, I reckon. <laughs> In a few, I reckon it's going to be extremely difficult to write a piece of music in the future, and not the distant future, the near future. How so? Because everything's starting to sound similar, and you get ideas from, like we were talking before, you get ideas from uh, every mm. idea, every everything you've read, everything you've listened to, yeah. creates what you're making now. It does. And there's so many pieces out there, so many riffs and melodies, and you're going to write a piece and somebody's going to say that's so-and-so you're not going to be able to be that original anymore of music yeah I I think hasn't that kind of like happened sort of like within uh, sub-genres of music though like when you think of rock music yeah. like if you think of like sort of like 1980s uh, like speed metal like all of those kind of bands sound really similar yeah like you've got like somebody like for example like Metallica mm. and then you've got like you know like Megadeth Iron Maiden they all sound very very similar yeah. to one another um, so I think that's been going on within subgenres of music for a really long time mm. uh, but you, so you think it's going to spread out you think it's already spreading out yeah I, do you think it, it's, things sound similar but I think they're going to sound the same like exactly the same not just a little bit, but note for note. I think that's happened a few times, and people have been taken to court for yeah. issues. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe they're not, they haven't actually copied it, they've just come up with something and it's just happened to be the same. Yeah, it could be, because when you, when you think about it, it's kind of like if, you, if you're an artist and you've made... Um, you've used orange in your colour palette yeah. a lot of other artists are using orange in their colour palette you've got a limited you've got a limited range that you can do with music certainly mm. you've got those you know you've got 12 notes basically mm. on the on the chromatic scale then obviously split up into all the different modes so you've got that you're right about that for sure uh, the Led Zeppelin thing's an interesting one, uh, where that band uh, from the from when who they toured with, they went on tour, 
they had a song that had got like an arpeggio in it that was similar to Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. And then they, they accused Led Zeppelin, like 40 years later as well, like mm. a really long time later, that basically that they'd stolen it. And I don't think they, they stole it at all. I think they probably definitely did hear it and it had an effect. And it just sort of like carried on through into, because you can't, I mean, you can't copyright a riff you can't copyright an arpeggio. You can't really copyright a melody, really, unless it's attached to something else, a part of the song, like like a lyric. Mm. You can't do that because, like I said, it, it'd be like like a writer trying to copyright letters. You know what I mean? Like nobody else could use the letter C. Well, what if, uh, say, an artist in the middle of nowhere who's isolated? doesn't know any other artists, he decides to paint one day yeah. a sunflower and yeah. it looks exactly like Van Gogh's sunflowers. Yeah, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? That's almost kind of like going back to that sort of like thought experiment about um, if, you took a, if you took a child away from its mother mm. at birth and you just put that child in a room on its own and left it to its own devices, how would it how would it develop? How would it grow? Would it develop? Would it grow? Yeah. The answer is probably not. So like if you had that sort of like coincidence of like a Van Gogh painting, this guy does a painting and it looks exactly like Van Gogh, that would almost like be the whole um the whole metaphor of sort of like if you put enough monkeys together yeah. with typewriters, one of them would eventually write Shakespeare. It w I think I think it would be closer to that sort that, of thing. That, like it's not completely impossible, but the the odds are quite large. Yeah, but I think music is going to be like that, not on a daily basis, but more frequently in the future. Do you think? Somebody's going to write a piece of music and somebody will say, actually that was done 20 years ago. Yeah, as sort of like as the volume of music increases as well. Because yeah, yeah. it is easier now to like make music and record music and get it out there, isn't it? Yeah. Much easier. Like even compared to sort of like when we started out as musicians, yeah. like we had, the only thing that we had was basically like mini disc players that we could record on. Yeah. Now, if you've got an iPad, you can literally like make a whole album on an iPad. Mm. It's crazy how the technology's developed and, and got better over the years. And when you think about like distribution channels as well, like I use, um, what's it called? Not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor, no, not a paid sponsor. Um, but we're open to distro kid. Distro yeah. kid. Mm. Sorry, what were you going to say? We're open to sponsors. We are open to sponsors if you, if anybody would like to, you know, put a little jingle on. Just do it good. Yeah, if you want, yeah, if you want to, if you want, put your, you know, put some money in his pockets, and we'll we'll talk about your loads. Yeah, we'll just say okay, really just nice okay. things. Yeah, just okay, yeah, just okay. yeah. Distro, 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 kid, distro, kid, distro, kid. <laughs> hey, distro, kid, come on, give me money. That's very loud. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> it's all right. Nobody's looking at me. Everybody knows now. Everybody knows, mate. What about DistroKid, are you? About DistroKid. <laughs> we, we need money. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> come on now, pay per click. Come on. I think, I think the audience that we've reached 
deserves at least half of their profits. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, what were we talking about? Music ending up exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, sort of like, like looking at the, di the distribution side of it, when we were sort of like, when we were young musicians, the only distribution channel we had was MySpace, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, MySpace music. And it was good for music that was as well, I thought. Mm. thought mm. it was a really good channel to get people. But then that got saturated, didn't it? It did, it, it got, there was too, too much. There's too much in the end. And it, it didn't take long like... for that to get saturated, just a few years. Yeah, well, yeah. we joined 2006. Yeah. No. I stopped using it in about 2008, I think. Yeah, 2006, when Facebook was two years later. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, not uh, not great. I, I suppose that's just sort of like the way everything's going to go, though, isn't it? Mm. I, fi I find it quite difficult as an artist, like, reaching people. Uh, just because, like, there's so much other stuff out there, so much noise. It's yeah. a case of getting your work on new sites and hope that that site becomes the next big thing and you're Yeah, it, it is really. It's a circumstance really. It's about, mm. you know, getting into, you know, getting the luck of, of basically getting seen, I think. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's have a look through our, uh, our little bookie-wook. See what we've got next. Okay, this is this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. So, gradually, the DJ became the artist. Gradually, the song, the composition, was decomposed. After its formative years, during which the global sound banks were plundered for empathetic records, Disco began to work on the principle of decomposing songs into modular and interchangeable fragments, sliced and repatched into an order which departed from the rules of Timpan Alley. The new order was designed to suit the nocturnal rhythms of participatory, ecstatic audience rather than any model of consensual, concise, classical proportions demanded by populists. Songs became liquid. That's really interesting. What what do you think about uh, sort of DJs? DJs were sort of like a big thing when we were growing up, weren't we? Weren't they? Sort of like um, on the keyboard where you press DJ, DJ, yeah, DJ. D yeah and he goes DJ. Oh oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was their good one. It's <laughs> DJ. Oh oh oh. That was loud again, was it? <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> Everybody's everybody's used to to us being loud, um, but yeah, sort of like late nineties, early two thousands, you'd got a lot of artists doing that kind of work, yeah. like people like Fatboy Slim and the Chemical Brothers. It were basically taking pieces of music, putting them into sort of like new arrangements, putting their own stuff in it. What do you think about that? Almost like sound collage. It's probably easier than writing your own music, isn't it? Um, but maybe we should have been DJs. Maybe it is. I don't know if it's easier or not. I think it's just different because... You'd have to listen to a lot more music than we do, I think. You would, and you'd have to sort of like have a different kind of ear as well, I think. 
for sort of like trying to put it all together. Um, and also sort of like if you, you know, if you're, in a way, I always see that as kind of like, um, like collaborating with sort of like recordings that have already been made. Mm. See what I mean? When you're putting your own stuff towards it and you're arranging it in new ways, you, you just you're doing that rather than sort of like just kind of like putting it all together. So I don't mind it as long as they've got consent from the people's work they're taking. Otherwise, you're just piggybacking off their success. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes mm. that can definitely be the case. Mm. Um, but I think, um, as a big fan of electronic music, because I like electronic music as well as rock music, mm. I always find that a lot of people mix sort of DJing with electronic music. So like if you make electronic music, you're a DJ and you're kind of cheating in a way when actually what you're doing is with electronic music, you are writing everything, yeah. you are recording everything. It's just in a different format to say, like being in a band. Mm. So I've, I've always been quite a bit annoyed by that sort of crossover, that um, that confusion that's happened with some people mm. in some people's minds. That's a bit annoying. But did you did you like any of the DJs? None of them. I, I don't no. know. There is there's always a post that goes around on Facebook, and it's that that DJ that looks like an idiot, uh, long-haired. Uh, I can't remember his name. What what song did he do? No idea. Uh, is it? I want to say Scythe or Skyfe or Schism or I don't know. Skizzy Wizzy Wizzy Blubber. No idea what his name is, <laughs> but he says he's like the master of a bass or something. And then below the pitch you've got a, a bass guitarist saying, really? <laughs> <laughs> On stage in front of thousands of people. I like, don't know who that guitarist. is. I don't know who that is. You don't need to know who he is, he's a cunt. Is he? Yeah. There's a, uh, he, he just presses button, play on a laptop and then dances around. Yeah, that's pretty shit when when they do that, that's mm. no good. Like that isn't that isn't performance, I don't think. I don't think he can get away with that. He does get away with it. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind of thing though, I suppose, isn't it? Sort of like like whereas if sort of like we were going to a gig, we'd wanna see you know, the whole band playing the music and being almost sort of like being with the band, if you get what I mean. Yeah. In the same space. Whereas sort of like with that, a lot of people that go to that kind of gig just basically want to sort of get off the tits maybe and sort of like completely lose themselves in just the music and the crowd. And it's not really about the communal thing as much as it is sort of like you know, getting lost. And a lot of own. audiences, especially pop, they're just idiots really. They go into a concert paying like a hundred pounds mm. to listen to somebody pretend to sing to a CD. Yeah, lip syncing. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, I think that's naughty. And I think it's kind of like, it's quite naive, like on the, on the part of the person that's going to the gig mm. to allow that to happen. I think if less people went to those kind of gigs, less artists would do that and they'd be forced to actually perform properly. So this is, this is going away from music, this is. Um, but it's it's really cool little little bit that I enjoyed. 
mountains, stars, satellites and space travel, weightlessness and computers, an escape from the body. The urge to transcend the body is a dominant theme in any conversation about the technological future. Virtual reality fantasies and the spectacle of the wired world express an alienated yearning to leave the biological prison and transmute into a cyborg state. In the fin de ciel mind, immateriality, spirituality and electronics are synonymous. The body has become dangerous. What we seek is superreality or hyperreality or altered states of some kind. I think the attractions in this area that are going to be the most successful will be the most extreme states of out-of-body experiences. That's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's talking about like yeah. that kind of thing in general, but he's, he's linking it to music. Uh, and I think sort of like, I think um, in the future, I think people will see like our music of today as kind of like a very, very crude, primitive version of sort of like uh, that kind of transcendent escapism. Do you know what I mean? I think so. Yeah, so sort of like like now we're moving into sort of like the actual uh, creation of like virtual worlds in virtual reality yeah. uh, with, you know, with the new explosion of, of that kind of technology. I think as that progresses and gets bigger and gets better, because I, like, I don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's... Uh, a fad like some other things, like 3D films. That's a fad that's died, isn't it? Twice. Times, yeah. Twice. Well, twice in our lifetimes. Isn't I think it? it's three times now. Is it three times? Like, I don't know. I can remember like when you used to have the blue and red yeah. 3D glasses when you went to the cinema. That was shit. Mm. So that died a death. And then this this one that's just come up. You know, with you know Avatar and this one's all lasted longer though. It did last a little bit longer, didn't it? Mm. And it was arguably slightly better. Yeah. But it was still, it was still a fucking rip off, really, wasn't it? When you think about it. Nin Nintendo, uh, they, I think they they've got the solution to it because with the 3DS, yeah, you can turn your 3D off on and off without without any glasses. Yeah. So cinemas could get screens that. Did that? Yeah. It'd be far better. It would. It would. Yeah. But not paying extra money for it though. No. It's very difficult though because the 3DS has the camera that tracks your eyes and changes, yeah. changes the screen depending on where your your head is. Yeah. You can't really do that for 500 people. No, you can't really. See, it's like as as that sort of like as that technology progresses mm. uh, in terms of like um, you know Oculus and the gear VR and all of that kind of stuff. So I've got a gear VR and it, it is really good, but it is still very primitive, very crude. Um, like games on it, games on it are fun, um, but like, like when, you, when you use a PlayStation VR, the graphics aren't quite as good and the experience isn't quite as good as just playing like a PS4 game, I don't think. Yeah. I think it's slightly, so it's still got a long way to go, but yeah, I think music, maybe even art as well in general, like when we've developed these technologies enough, 
might be like our versions of all of these things might be seen as really crude mm. and sort of like stuff in the future we would see it as magic i think i think we'll see like art and music and like games these immersive experiences i think we i think we'll see like obviously we're not going to see them because we'll be dead but like in the future like if we could time travel we would see it as magic it's kind of like bill and ted when you think about it you know bringing back beethoven you know and have it you know where he's walking around the shops mm. it's like that kind of thing like he, he sees everything as being magic and sort of you know blows his mind i think that i think i think that's what's going to happen with 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 music and and, and art it's just hard to imagine it really like where it can go yeah it is isn't it mm. well it's almost impossible when you think about it yeah. when you think about it because like perhaps maybe sort of like that's like i've always thought sort of like uh, artists that imagine the future like futuristic artists always get it wrong and then when you actually get to the future in which they were depicted it's completely different and it kind of like it looks a bit cheesy like the way that they did it yeah. it's almost kind of like um, the Jetsons the Jetsons is quite a cheesy thing when you think about it like how, like how that was sort of like imagined the future would be it's like it's making me think of the second Bill and Ted movie at the start yeah where Denomalous uh, attacks Rufus's class yeah and then Rufus throws this futuristic guitar yeah into the top of the telephone roof yeah it's like, is that what guitar's going to look like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I hope not <laughs> yeah there, there's it is. A, a kind of futuristic keyboard that's been around for a couple of years yeah it's just all black and kind of rubber keys you don't press them down oh I've seen that you yeah yeah them and I think you stroke them and yeah like, yeah it's like it's just like a sort of like a little rubbery mat isn't it it's a thousand pound yeah had a go on one it's, it's okay it's hard to get used to yeah I've seen nobody use one no no, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody use one. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a um, Bjork uses a really cool um, instrument called a reactable, uh, and it's basically like a table uh, that's got a load of cameras set up around it, um, and you've got sort of like these pieces, like little pieces, that you put on the table, and the camera tracks the the, the motion and the position of the, the pieces. Yeah and react to it uh, and then creates music from it mm. that's really cool that's a really cool futuristic looking um it sounds like more hassle than a drum kit no? yeah it's, there's a lot of parts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of parts to it um but it is it is a really cool thing and i think they made an app that you can get as well for like ipad that you can use like a similar sort of sort of thing which is really good it's like it's kind of like modular synthesis i suppose it is modular synthesis in a way but that's that's really cool that's really cool do you reckon you could invent some new notes well of going up to g have some i and h <laughs> <laughs> yeah go a bit further off well sort of like when you think of like um diatonic music isn't that sort of like what that is like diatonic music is kind of like um, Asian music where they play 
uh, they play notes like in between oh, our yeah. notes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what you call them. Uh, you got tones and semitones, and then you've got, is it quarter tones? Or yeah, something? you've got all of that kind of stuff. Isn't that what that is? But isn't that in between the notes that we've already got? Yeah, it is. So you'd want to go further. Yeah. You'd want to go up and up. But I suppose it depends on sort of like the range of human hearing, wouldn't yeah. it? Like, uh, like, if you gr- like if you grew with like a big ear in a lab like, and put it on, a, put it on somebody. Just put it on somebody. Said, "Yeah, I'll listen." A new baby to. on its forehead. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps you could like. Perhaps you could like grow one of those ears in a lab, yeah. right? And then put some legs on it, and then just have that as a person. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Would you like that? It'd be cool, wouldn't it? Sort of like give it some arms as well, and then you could make your new music. How, how would you communicate with it? You could you talk would. to it, it couldn't do anything to you, unless you, some, you, you wouldn't even be able to teach it sign language. No, you probably wouldn't, would you? Well, it maybe. would just be a purely musical receptacle. It would just basically dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it would. It would, I, I it know would you, be a dance. keep farting on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely fart on it a few times. <laughs> I would, I would. You could do it with... You could do it with a nose. Like, I've seen a person whose nose is so big that I reckon that's what's happened anyway. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody with, with a big nose? Maybe it's just like a twin that died on its nose. <laughs> <laughs> like they were supposed to be twins, yeah. but they just got a double helping of nose. <laughs> no, the twin is inside the nose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's, kind, that's kind of weird and horrible. But, yeah, I suppose you could do that, couldn't you? You could have your, your own little ear baby or nose baby, or even if you wanted, bollock baby. <laughs> <laughs> have a little, have a little, just one bollock with legs and arms, and then just you know, squeeze it every now and again. And it's, it's, it's like a slug, but when it walks around, it leaves sperm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is bad. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of jizz. <laughs> oh god. A jizz slug. <laughs> if you if you could create your own creature, like what, what do you think you'd what would you create? Uh, I've no idea. Would you I, I thought you were going to go straight into dragons. I was thinking dragons. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking you were going to have like a, a, a fire-breathing arse or something. Arse? <laughs> yeah, yeah just an arse. No, that's an arse blaster from Tremors. Is it? Have you, have you, you know what Tremors is? Yeah, yeah. The Tremors, they start off as... Uh... Oh, how do they start off? Because in the first movie, you've just got the Tremor. Mm-hmm. And then... In the second movie, you find out that they open up and we got three ass blasters inside them. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're called ass blasters because they've they set with, they've got two chemicals that connect yeah. and make the ass into like a rocket so they can fly up. Oh, right. And then they have an egg. And right. the whole process starts again. Yeah. That's its life cycle. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so ass blasters have already t- been taken. They've already been done. Yeah. Right. Fire breathing arses. 
tick. <laughs> Take that one off. I think I would probably, I'd have something that flies. Like, I, like it'd, be, it'd be good if you could have just sort of like a genital that could fly. Just like a flying genital. You know what I mean? Like a, like a massive horse dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a unicorn dick. <laughs> so like a dick, like a dick, right, with yeah. wings on the back. With some bollocks as well, we'll give you some bollocks, right? <laughs> and some like little bird feet. <laughs> Has it got a horn at the end? The yes, it's got a horn. Yeah, of course it has. going to hurt. Well, well you could, it could be like, a, it could be detachable, or it could be, could be it could work the same way as... Uh, is it a wasp, but if it stings you, it comes out, then it has to grow again? Or is that a bee sting that comes out and it dies? Um, yeah, I think that's a bee, that's a bee sting, that yeah, is. I'm sure there's some... It, it stings you and it leaves the stinger in and then it has to grow in the womb. Yeah, yeah. So that could be like the unicorn horn. Yeah, it could, it could be like, it could work the same way as an erection. You know, you know, sort of like, you know, when, when you, when, when you're act, when the actual penisy bit is flaccid, yeah. that bit's erect. And it can't fly. And it can't fly. <laughs> but then when it, go, when it, the penis becomes erect, that goes floppy. And it's, and it's, and it's added pleasure. Perhaps that's what it is. Perhaps that's what it does. Perhaps it gives a bit of added pleasure to the uh, to the little flying <laughs> flying fannies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've gone a long way from music. We have, haven't we? We've gone a lot, really. No. We could, we could like, well, like if you could, like make an instrument out of your body part. Like what could you do? I mean, you, I mean, you could do the the armpit thing, couldn't you? Where you put well, your hand under your armpit and you do know the those, drums. Uh, it's like spoons, but it's got two either side of it. So it's like a, it looks like a spoon, but it's got two other spoons. Oh, like a clacker sort a, of a thing. A clapper, yeah. Yeah. You could make one of those out of your kneecaps. You could, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, you could do one of those. I mean, you have to rip your kneecap off. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't <laughs> like that. I don't think I'd like that. And you can use the rib for a handle. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more of like leaving your body parts on. Right. Like I suppose you could sort of like make, then you I could want, make a nose whistle. No, How good would that be? I want toes that can sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so creepy. Oh, that's so creepy. Oh, can you remember like there used to be like this, Advert on when we were kids, yeah. where you sort of like see like somebody's like filmed an upside down chin. Oh yeah, Do you like remember a, that? Like a mental office one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate, hated that. That's what I just imagined when you talked about the singing toes, what like I, an upside down mouth chin man. What it made me think of is, you know, Doctor Strange when uh, that woman, the master, sends him into. I ultimate other dimensions the first time. Yeah. Before he gets kicked out. Yeah. One of the dimensions is where his hand, his fingers start growing. Oh, other they hands. do, don't they? Yeah. You oh, that's have, horrible. You could have your hands grow other hands and then have an entire orchestra, mini orchestra. Yeah, you could, could you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. That would. With singing toes. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cracking, wouldn't it? Yeah. That'd be really good. Then you could have a nose whistle. I'm quite <laughs> adamant about this nose whistle. I want this nose whistle in my band. Yeah. 
you could sort of, you could sort of like if you put like if you poke holes in your nose on one side make it into an awkward unit. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah sort of like and then sort of like put your finger on on your other side of your nose and then use your finger for play the notes where the holes are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about when you close your eyes like yeah you're blinking yeah makes it sound like a symbol <laughs> <laughs> Oh, symbol, symbol eyelids. No, but yeah. Well, and then you bang your teeth together. <laughs> <laughs> Each one is a different drum. Yeah. <laughs> you could play boom ta boom ta. <laughs> I was just thinking, you could have like, you could have like a, like one of those little mini symbols, like on your forehead. Right, and then sort of like put like like a bit of string on your eyelids, so that when you blink, you just go <laughs> like a one-man band. <laughs> you know those big drums, dum bum bum. Yeah, timpanis. Yeah, every time you clench your arse, that can make a sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God Almighty! Oh, oh God! What, what, what can a belly button do? Oh yeah, what can the belly button do? That's that's uh, it depends, don't it? If you've got an innie or an outie, I hate outies. Oh, they freak me out. It's like a tiny dick. It do, yeah, it does look like oh, oh no, just like <laughs> thinking about it. I hate outies. Like I, I did, I did go out with a girl once who had an outie, yeah. and I made her put a plaster on. <laughs> you didn't flick it. No, I didn't flick it. Oh god, no. <laughs> what if you made your spine into a xylophone? Yeah, you could do that, couldn't you? Like in the cartoons. Yeah, that would be that would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. What what could you do with your belly button? We've got we. What could you do with that? You It'll could be, it'd be like a DJ button. You press it in and the back, background background music plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. <laughs> Out your ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about your your inner organs though? You could use them, couldn't you? You could use your. Uh, you, you could use your, your maybe like your your lungs in some way, like so sort of like when you breathe in it goes, <laughs> <laughs> and then when you breathe out it goes, <laughs> so you have that constant. But you could start a song going, <laughs> yeah, you, your intestines could be a didgeridoo. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done farts, have we? We've got to do farts. Yeah, you've got, you've got, you've got to do farts. Like you could, you could have like a, you could have like like the nose whistle. You could do an arse whistle, and it's got maybe like a little sort of um, uh, like a little what's it on it? Uh, like a little filter. So if you follow through. Mm. Like it separates it from, <laughs> and then you just empty it when you're finished. <laughs> or it could be like the 80s keyboards where you get a choir sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh God almighty. Oh, I don't think any of these uh, instruments are going to be sold in music, uh, music mania anytime soon, mate. Do they sell instruments? 
Dawson's. Uh, Dawson's, Dawson's. Yeah. It used to be Music Mania, didn't it? No, that was a what place with just CDs. Was where it? you could take your own CDs and sell them. Yeah, it was. Once it, what, did, what did that used to be called then? It was Music, music Zone. That was it. Um, it was Music Zone before it was Dawson's. Yeah, so we could do a lot with, with instruments, couldn't we? If you like, could put together your own like dream band yeah. of famous famous uh, people, what would you who would you have? Um, You'd have somebody from Iron Maiden, wouldn't you? Probably the drummer. Yeah, he's a good drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think his name's Nick. Is it? Or Nicholas. Uh, I want to. I don't know. Like the band, the kind of band that I would already, I would put together would be similar to Chickenfoot, because I'd have Joe Satriani. Yeah. Yeah. They've they've got the Chili Peppers drummer. Have they? But I'd have yeah. Nicholas from Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, Should kick him out. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would say Chris Cornell, but he went and killed himself. Yeah, he's gone. you can still have him, you know, if you want. Yeah, I like his singer. Yeah, he's a good singer, isn't he? Mm. Uh, I, I really liked him as well. I don't know any bassists. <coughs> um, you and Adam. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> you can have me if you want. Well, I need famous people. No, go people. with Adam, he's better. Adam's better. <laughs> I need famous people, though. Um, what other bands do you like? Oh, the, oh, what's this? I can't remember the name of the band now. They did it, might have been Foo Fighters. Yeah. Their bass player is quite good. Yeah. Nate they, Mendel is the name they, is. Oh, What's it called? <coughs> the music video of him is like, looks like a, 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 a big gym. Place, you know, like in school, yeah, inside football, yeah. Field. And we've got riot police one end, mm. and they're going to charge him, yeah. I know that video, the, yeah. The back of them smashes, yeah. One of these things aren't like the other, that's one of them, yeah, yeah. Is, is that Foo Fighters? That is Foo Fighters, yeah. That's a good the, the pretender that's on that's called. it, yeah. yeah. It's a really good piece, that is, yeah, yeah. The bass player from them. Yeah, he's a good bass player. Mm. That's a good band. That's a pretty good band. I quite like that. If if Joe Satriani, Steve Vai and Yuigui Malmsteen had a fight, who would win? I think. Ingve, he's fucking massive. Is he? He's like six seven. Is he? <laughs> Not that big, but he's huge. Is he? Well, that's yeah. just his hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The hair on his head, not his pubs. Probably, his... It's probably the same thing. Actually, yeah. It probably yeah. goes under his arse, up his back, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then down his forehead. <laughs> like all one piece of hair. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cracking, bald. It? That'd be cracking if you could do that. Like if you were a bald man and you just decided you were going to grow your pubs. <laughs> Do, do pubs have a... The ultimate coma, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, could, that could be the new name for a new wrestler. The ultimate coma, but... 
<laughs> and you could have like a little competition where you like uh, you have to guess where his comb over starts. <laughs> Does it start on the bollock or on the arse? <laughs> if you super glued it to his forehead. Well, it'll be like having a bag strap along your back and you just pick him up. <laughs> would, yeah, yeah, you could do that, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, but do, pub do pubic hairs have... They've got like a maximum length they can grow, haven't they? I'm sure they have. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they've got like a maximum length. Like mine don't grow... Uh, to what they much are now. I'm, I'm full bosh at the moment. <laughs> I'm full on bosh. I'm not getting any, so I don't, I don't really need trim them. What are you moment. doing tonight? I won't tonight, mate. I won't tonight. It's just the first date. Yeah, you you can't know. do that on your first date. She might want to. Well, if she does... She might listen to this and think, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she probably would. She probably would. Yeah. Um, so if you're meeting Cam on the 1st of December and you're listening to this, we're yeah. talking about you. Her name's Erica. Oh dear, now you've told everybody. Yeah. I, I don't know her last name, though. I don't know what I her last name is. I don't think you need is. it if she's listening. No. She knows who she is. Yeah. I'm sorry, Erica. I've let you down I'm already. Sorry for what you tried to do. I've let you down already. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think I'd probably go My Light Dream Band. Be. I think I'd have Robert Plant on vocals. Yeah, he's a great he's a great singer. He is. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, from Led Zeppelin. Ah, uh, okay. No, you're not 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 really into that. He's good. He's not the best. I think he's he's sort of like his range isn't what it used to be. Mm. Is he um, still alive? Oh yeah, he's still alive. Jesus Christ. Of course he is. Yeah, he's not that old. He's only about like. I think he's like 65, something like that. Not mm. that old. Yeah. Not really, not when you think about it. Um, I think... Bass, pl bass players, I think I'd go for Les Claypool from Primus. Because he's, he's mad and he's dead good. He's a really good bass player. Guitar player? Uh, that's a tough one, isn't it? I don't know who I'd go for on guitar. Um, Difficult that I think no, I think I'd go for Kirk from Metallica. I really like him. Oh yeah. I like his guitar solo, he's Do, cracking. Joe Satchani's ex student. Uh, is, uh, was he really? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah, I like him. And I think I think on drums, I think I'd go for Danny Carey from Tool. I think that would be a really good. And I think just as an added extra, I think I'd join the band. On uh, and I'd probably do nose whistle. I think I'd do nose whistle. I think we, I'd put me, myself in that band. I can't remember if it was Kirk or Steve, Steve Vine, but I think it was Kirk. He used to get on his pedal bike mm. as a teenager. Yeah. Guitar on his back. Yeah. And travel several miles. Yeah. To Joe's house just to have a half hour lesson. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Took him ages to get there and then ages to get back. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Kirk Hammett that did that. Yeah. Worth it though, wasn't it? Because he's, he's obviously, you know, obviously, you know, learnt from him and, and become a great guitar player. Mm. And uh, I'm pretty sure Steve Vai was Joe's student as well. 
Was he? Unless it was your way around. I think it, I think he was Joe's student. Was he? Because he, 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 uh, yeah, he was, because he took his guitar <coughs> to Joe's house, his first lesson, mm. and had no strings on it. He says, can you help me put the strings on? Really? <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's, I think that's quite legitimate. Yeah. I think that's a legitimate good first lesson. I think it is. Putting your strings on. Because, yeah. like, I've never taught one-on-one -on -one before, mm. but if I did teach one-on-one, -on -one, like in the first lesson, I wouldn't teach anything on the instrument at all. Oh. It would all be teaching them about the instrument, yeah. like the different parts and sort of like how you put everything together and how everything works. And posture, like looking at your own posture so you don't end up getting, you know, something, you know, like horrible RSI or something. Mm. Steve I used to practice in the mirror so he could make sure what he was playing looked cool. Did he? Yeah. No way. I'm not much of a Steve Vai, actually. He had the music theory. He yeah. was really good at music theory, but Joe taught him how to put it onto the guitar. Did he? Mm. Yeah. So I'm not much for his music. There's a mm. few pieces that I like. Yeah. But uh, the rest of it is a bit too out there for me. Yeah, but it is a bit. He is really good. Yeah. He, he held the uh, fastest speed. I think you've got I mean, 27 notes a second or something like really? that. Really? That's when fucking I was in mental. College. That's mental. We, we had a magazine, it was top 20 guitarists. I think Joe Sanchione was third or fourth. Yeah. Joe Cameron was seventh, I think. Yeah. And I was, I wasn't on the list, but I could, <laughs> I, I could play some of the... Uh, the pieces? Yeah, like nine, nine, eight or ninth. I can't remember what it was though. Yeah. That's I, I, mad, that's I mad that in college, is. I was faster. That's my, crazy, My fingers can't it? do that. Yeah, I mean... You've got, to, you've got to have got some, some strong fingers for do that, haven't you? Mm. Not even maybe strong, but sort of like, just like nimble, mm. very nimble fingers. Just think what you could do to a woman. Like if you could do that, like imagine what they can do to a woman. <laughs> imagine that, like, like when, they, when they put their, their hands on the breasts. Sort of like, yeah, uh, sort of like, that, it'd be like. It'd be like having a massage machine. It would. It would. It would. It be sort of like the breast would vibrate like so, so very fast. It gives um, a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> the breast. The breast could vibrate. a stroke. <laughs> the breast could vibrate so very, so very strongly. <laughs> you could, you could, like, like <laughs> Steve Vai could massage your breast and make it vibrate so fast that if you put a baby on the breast, the baby would vibrate also. <laughs> and if you did, if you did it on the arse, if you did it on the arse, like when. Like when He'll send all the food back through your mouth. <laughs> oh, God, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, just God. Ooh. No, he, do, he does it on the arse, right? And when she goes to the toilet and she sits on the toilet, she's still vibrating, and the toilet vibrates and cracks. <laughs> yeah, so Steve, Steve Vai and his... Uh, 
his uh, mutant fingers. Yeah. Can, the, uh, the, the new Mars rover landed on Mars on Monday. Did it? Yeah, and that, that's going to dig a hole uh, five metres deep Yeah. to put a seismometer in there. When right. he said the seismometer is so strong it picked up church bells from miles away. Did it? I think it might not have been church bells, it might have been Steve Vai's. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Vai's fingers. <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine how brilliant it would be if you could do that with your fingers and you did the little thing you knew the little thing you do with your lips again. <laughs> You go, <laughs> <laughs> your lips have come off. That's quite loud. <laughs> right, mm. oh, nobody's looking. Every, everybody's everybody's quite nice and calm and relaxed. Do, do you reckon he gets a lot of lady attention? attention yeah, wife. Lady. Happy wife, happy wife. Has he? Is that what he's got? Maybe. Yeah. Unless he's had his drug. Yeah. See, she must be happy then, like if he can do that with his fingers. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, mean, I mean, we could go further and, you know, start talking about, you know, him massaging her labia. <laughs> if, he's, if he's having a go on the labia. Yeah, but he'll, he'll massage it that fast. He's still in bed a week later. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is actually the same thing as doing the lips. <laughs> All <laughs> issues sideways. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Do you think he's got robot fingers? What would you do if you got robot fingers? I'd play guitar faster than Steve Vai. Would you? Mm. What if you got like robot fingers that you could literally do anything with? Like literally anything with. What what job would you do? I'd be Tony Stark. Would you? I'd make suits. Would you? Yeah. I think or I'd probably... I'd be the fastest flutist. Would you? Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Do, do a little... <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be a good one. Yeah. I think I, I'd probably work in the kitchen, washing the dishes. With robot hands? With robot hands, yeah, that'd be dead good. Until they get rusty. Stainless steel, mate. Stainless steel. Yeah? Why not, mate? Why not? <laughs> yeah, but you probably would. Yeah, I suppose, like... Yeah, you would You would probably get a bit fed up of it if they were really heavy, wouldn't you? Yeah. I guess. Uh, shall we have shall we have one more little bit from Are we going the back to music now? <laughs> yeah, shall we go back to music? It was, it was a... Uh, sort of... Um, linked to music, wasn't it? We were talking about Steve Vai and his, you know, his, uh, his dirty fingers. His dirty, 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 vibrating fingers. This, this is a good one. Uh, so, away from the naked bodies. Biodiversity and communal magic of the tropical rainforest. There's lots of naked bodies in that rainforest. Deep in the doom, megalopolis, which I think is where we are. I think we're in the megalopolis, aren't we? The urban present noise persistently draws on the metaphorical resource of dark powers. Fin the millennium vision, jeunes, 
puncture the skin. In recent times, terms such as grunge, black metal, grindcore, jungle, the dark side or dark ambient have been tagged on to musics which are fierce, distorted, morbid, malevolent and menacing. Musics for the dance of death, in other words, rather than the music of the spheres, heaven and hell, in some cases both, in opposition or imbalance. That's really interesting way of looking at like heavy rock music, isn't it? Because yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff. What do you think of like the really like extreme heavy music like death metal? I'm not really into it. No, I can't, I've never been able to get into it because it's just like shouty, shouty. It is, isn't it? It's like there's no melody in it. Mm. You can't really, you can't, you can't really relate to that. Like I don't understand like how those. How people that like that kind of music relate to it. Hmm. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Like, what is it, you, what part of that music is it that you're relating to? Maybe when you're angry and you just <coughs> want something to, I don't know, smash. Block it out. Yeah, maybe. Yes, but does it block it out though, or does it sort of amplify it? Amplify it. I think it I know, probably I know would. When uh, you listen to that kind of music in the car, you're more likely to drive faster. Yeah, of course you are. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, like, if you're in a car like, and you're listening to a bit of, I don't know, a death metal band. Who's a death metal band? Megadeth. No, they're not death metal. It's more speed metal. Oh. They are. I'd say. Yeah, like if you were listening to like that kind of stuff and you were going like really fast, like you could like, you could hit a tree. Or like, a granny. Or a granny. Explode on my windshield. <laughs> oh no. Oh, granny. You could, you could like, you could hit a lamppost and fly out, you know, and land on the pavement and get up and be fine. Get back in the car. You're that angry, you don't notice. You, you, your bones sticking out your leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a strange type of music, isn't it? Like, um, sort of like, uh, at least with something like grunge, or like alternative rock. It's it's easier to relate to because there's melody in it, mm. and there's kind of like you know if you there's there's almost like a melancholy in a lot of that kind of music, isn't there? Mm. So you can understand like the melancholy, but like the anger is just something that kind of like I don't know. I've just never felt that kind of anger before, apart from one time uh, when I farted and followed through. That made me quite angry. <laughs> At yourself. <laughs> at myself. At myself. And I head butted a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what made you fart? <laughs> no, that was after the fart. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that kind of music. We've we've done quite a lot today, haven't we? We've gone through quite a lot. We've gone through uh, quite some strange tangents. Uh, shall we leave it at that then, mate, and say goodbye to the listeners? Bye, Adam. <laughs> Bye, Adam. Bye-bye. <laughs> we're, we're hoping that we'll have a few more soon. So, you know, yeah. Bye-bye. This episode of Bookslap was a joint production by Short Lane Studios and Oddly Shaped Hearts. Thank you very much for listening and see you again on the next episode.